Grace, mercy, and the peace of our God be with you this day and every day. Amen. So do you remember when people used to gather? We're gathering again, so that's good. It's good to see folks and to be hopefully in the part of this whole pandemic process where we don't have to go backward again. I mean, this time has felt like two steps forward and seven steps backward a lot of times, right? Or seven steps backward and half a step forward, and we just keep retreating and closing off and not connecting and separating and staying a distance from one another. Now, culturally, that issue has existed, maybe particularly here. I was talking to someone who... um, Used to live here, doesn't live in the area anymore, and we were describing how um, it's kind of the feel. And I said, well, you know, it's, it's this end of the pandemic time. And he said, yeah, maybe it's more of a kind of Bay Area thing where people don't meet each other quite as regularly or engage with one another quite as much. There's kind of a go through life with the blinders on. Now, whether that's true or not, I guess we'll have to see as things get a little bit more open and a little bit easier. But do you remember meeting someone new? Someone for the first time, possibly. And the question is, who are you? Which is a good question for us. To wrestle with, to think about, to consider today, who are you? How would you answer that question? Automatically, it seems we think about things that we do, work that we do, effort that we make, jobs or careers that we have, but our identity is more than our doing. Sometimes we do connect the two, though, because our, our productivity, our self-worth oftentimes is evaluated on what is done, right? It's based on what is done. Last week, about a week and a half ago now, we were um, skiing. We went up to Dodge Ridge and, and um, got to enjoy, you know, being on the skis again for the first time in a long time. And um, early in the day, I came down, you know, went toward the lift. It may have been one of the first lift rides I was on. And I just kind of went in and I got ready and got ahead of other people that I was with. And there was another guy. And so I ended up on the lift with this person I'd never met. And it's like kind of the automatic, you're forced into it, right? You're sitting about this far away from someone, and you're like 30 feet off the ground. And, you know, if the lift stops, which you hope it doesn't, but, I mean, you're kind of there. You almost have to talk to each other. You could probably not, but it would be awkward, right? And so we started talking about skiing and being on the snow, and I said, well, you know, this is the first time in a long time. That I've done this, and because um, I used to live in Oklahoma, and so the transition from Oklahoma to California came up in the conversation. And he said, "Well, what do you do?" Right. And so I talked to. I said, "I'm a pastor in the Bay Area," and and so we talked about that for a little bit. And then I said, "What do you do?" And he said, "I test the waters." And I thought, Does that mean you don't want to tell me because you're just testing the waters? Um, turns out he actually tests the waters. It's, it wasn't a metaphor or a you know, way to describe 
you know, getting a feel for the situation. He does water testing in a lab for city of San Francisco, tests Hetch Hetchy water. He knows all about the Calaveras Reservoir. He told me the history of it. It was actually pretty fascinating. What do you do? It's a natural question for us. But a lot of times our doing becomes our focus. You know that company Granger? It's an industrial supply company, they, but they advertise on, probably on the radio and I know on the internet. You get Granger ads. Who's Granger for? For the ones who get things done. That's right. For the ones who get it done. That's what, who Granger is for, right? For the ones who get it done. And there's a lot of you know, value in the ones who get it done. If your stories that you share are about your work or work related, or maybe you, know, you can't leave work at work, and it affects your family and overflows into your home time and that kind of thing, maybe there's a little too much focus on work. Maybe your identity is being found in the things that you do, but don't get me wrong, doing is important. It's important to do things, right? To accomplish things, to carry out our tasks. You know, if you have a job, it's important to do things, your employer probably wouldn't appreciate it if you just came to work and were. In the day we talk about being, we don't want to just be, we, we need to do. If I tell one of my kids, go clean your room, and they come back later and say, well, I memorized what you said. Okay, that's good. Or I learned to say that in Greek. I'd be impressed, but that wouldn't get the job done. Or my friends and I are going to gather together and we're going to study what it would look like to actually clean a room. That's not accomplishing the task, right? Jesus even said to his followers about discipleship, which is a call to action, really. Why do you say to me, Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? That's in Luke chapter 6. See, some people are action-oriented, and so we feel unproductive if we're idle, if we're not doing something, if we're not in a project, if we're not at least starting to do something in motion. How many, by show of hands, how many would prefer to go way out of your way, avoiding traffic, in order to keep moving. And maybe even get there a little bit later. Sitting in traffic will get you there two minutes early, but you're stop and go, and it's just, right? And you can't take your eyes off that car in front of you because the brake, the gas, the brake, the gas, and you're doing the toe-tap dance all the way to your destination. I'd rather sometimes just go out of the way because at least I'm moving. I might not be getting toward my uh, destination, but at least I'm in motion and I feel like I'm getting something done. On the other hand, there are people who are really good at being. They know who they are, they're confident in that, and there's a, a trust that they exhibit. And that's our focus this week, because ultimately what we want is to recognize that what we do flows from who we are. 
what we do flows from who we are. When we strip back the doing, you know, peel that back and look at who you are apart from the accomplishments, that's when we can start to recognize maybe priorities, important relationships, values, hobbies, interests, those kind of things. So apart from what you do, apart from your accomplishments, who are you? The Red Letter Challenge is about listening and applying the words of Jesus. But the first target in this whole program is being, which is the least action-sounding of them, right? And we talk about applying, how do you apply to be? To be or not to be? That's the question. It's important because our doing often is from our own strength. When we feel like we need to do more, we look inside, right? I need to do more good things. I need to be nicer to people. You ever thought that? I need to be more kind. And then what do we do? We look inside and we go, okay, how can I just grit my teeth through this and be nice on my own strength? That's not how it works. That's not what God's calling us to be. Our doing, our even niceness, should come from in here, but not because we're focusing on ourselves and what we can accomplish. Our doing should come from the strength that God gives us. Our doing should come from who we are. And who we are should be rooted and found in Christ. Who we are becoming is related to how we spend our time. I heard this a long time ago. Within two to five years, you become like the people you spend time with. Have you heard that? You know, it takes a couple of years. You influence each other, but personalities tend to, you know, meld together. Habits, likes, you know, things that you're interested in. A lot of people who've been married for a long time can finish each other's sentences. We were talking about this just yesterday. Paula and I can have conversation, and the kids have no idea what we're talking about. Don't even have to say a word. We can just look at each other and make sounds. Because we spend a lot of time together and we know each other that well. So you become like the people you spend time with, who you spend time with. Why is spending time with Jesus so easily cut from our schedules? That's a question that this book wants us to, to wrestle with. Because a lot of times, you know, when it comes to how we prioritize our time, we break it up, segment it, make our to-do list, think about all the things we want to get done, but our time with the Lord doesn't land on the top of the priority list. And I'll be honest, I'm guilty of that as much as anybody else. I got a to-do list, I got things I got to get done, and I'm going to get in the office and I'm going to hit that list and I'm going to get it done and I'm looking at, oh, I got to do it. But on those days when I say, wow, and I think of what Martin Luther said one time, I have so much to do today, I'm going to spend twice as much time praying. Oh, brilliant. It feels like that's the opposite of what's true, right? And a lot of times when I just 
neglect it, which I do. You know, I move forward in the, I have to, so therefore, I don't have time. But praying should be more important for us than posting. Meditation on the Word more than March Madness. Resting in Christ more than going to a restaurant. Because time is not the issue, it's priority. Find your identity in Jesus. This is what this week is about in the Red Letter Challenge. Find your identity in Him. First, as a priority, as like top level, this is what we do, this is who I am first, and then everything should flow from there. That's why it's the first of the targets in this book, to be, being. First part of that is to come to him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, we work and try and struggle and, you know, fight, and we get burned out and weary and worn down. This is why Jesus invites us to come to him. If you're weary, if you're weighed down, come to Jesus because his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Sometimes we don't feel so worthy of coming to Jesus. Sometimes we let things get in the way. All kinds of things. Sometimes we feel overwhelmed, burdened, distracted, but Jesus wants to give us rest, peace, comfort. His yoke is easy, but sometimes we make it hard. We make it hard to come to him because we start to think for ourselves, if I, if I don't do, if I don't say, if I don't do this right, if I come to the Lord as I am... He might send me away. He might rebuke me. He might. None of that's true. Jesus invites us by his grace to come to him and to be still. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. We have a, a coffee mug. And it's got that, you know, that be calm and chive on. And then, like, that took over. I don't know what Chive Company made that up, but that became, you know, be calm and do this um, or whatever. So they took that kind of look, and they made it with Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God, which is like, that's cool. That's what we should do. Can you be still? It's hard to be still sometimes. How many people feel like, man, I can't sit still? Just I'm moving. I got to be in motion. I got to be doing something. I have a friend from elementary school. Well, I mean, I knew him in elementary school. We haven't been in touch for many, many years. But I remember his nickname that his parents gave him. He was T O Wiggly D D. His name was Todd. <laughs> but that's how they spelled it T O Wiggly D D. Because he was just always one of those kids, right? Always in motion. How many of us are still kind of like that? I can't sit still. I can't stop moving. I got to be doing something. And if I'm not doing something, I'm thinking about something. Or how many times do you see this? 
where sit down at the restaurant table, you know, notice, you'll, you'll see this now. Look across the restaurant and you'll see a family. As soon as they sit down, all the screen devices come out. They can't just sit and be together. It's, I'm playing this game. Oh, I'm posting on this. I'm texting with this person. I'm checking my email. Who knows what they're doing? But it's action and it's thinking and it's processes and it's trying to accomplish something or whatever it is. Over the last couple of days, um, we looked at a letter that we got from one of my favorite seminary professors, Dr. Jeffrey Gibbs, and his wife, Renee. He has retired from the seminary now, he's, um, and, they, and she has ha- had some health problems. She's fought cancer and has had some hip replacements, and both of them write in this letter about being slow and intentional. And you read it and think, wow, that sounds really good. To be slow, to be intentional, to slow down and do things in a more intentional way. Sometimes we don't let ourselves do that, but be still and know that I am God. Just rest in the presence of the Lord and seek first. This is Matthew 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You know the context of when Jesus says that? Seek first. You know the thing about don't be anxious about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. That's part of the Sermon on the Mount. Do not be anxious. Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. It's right after that that he says, seek first the kingdom and all these things, clothing, food, all the things that you need will be added to you first Be about the kingdom of God. First, be about a relationship with God. And then these things will be added. Oftentimes we get caught up in the details, things that we need, things we need to accomplish, and we get led astray by so much. How about the story of Mary and Martha, these two sisters? You know that one? So Mary and Martha, they're having a a dinner, and Jesus is going to be there, and Martha, she's She's the doer. <laughs> She's scurrying around and, you know, cleaning this up and providing that and baking that and making sure that comes out of the oven at the right time and, uh, you know, putting on the music and, you know, making sure that the guests' waters are fill, filled again and, you know, whatever else she's doing. She's got it all, right? She's managing all of that. Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. What is she doing Sister co-host, come on. You think doing the Evite was enough? Let's go. There's stuff to do. So Martha complains to Jesus, don't you think my sister ought to help me? And Jesus replies that Mary has chosen the greater portion, the important thing, and that won't be taken from her. Choose the good thing. This week, we're going to look at seven disciplines of being, one each day for the next seven days as we go through this week of being in Red Letter Challenge. First is this, abide in the word. Jesus said, this is John chapter 8, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. When we went skiing, we stayed at an Airbnb. It was this cute little cabin down behind somebody's house, one of those, it's like an ADU, I guess, which is a Additional dwelling unit, I don't know what the A stands for. 
but it's a dwelling unit. But I don't know that I would say that we had abided in that. We visited. We stayed there. Where do you abide? You don't abide in an Airbnb. That's not something that I would call that, you know, a place where I, I will abide here. Not that we say that regularly. But where do you abide? It's where you live, right? It's where you dwell. It's where you remain. So when Jesus says, abide in my word, it's not go visit it every now and then. Over the next 40 days, as we do the red letter challenge, the challenge is to be in the word daily. To open the red letter challenge book, there's Bible in it, but to do more reading in the Bible and not just in the book. To look at what the word of God says, because the wisdom of God is right there. In the reading for today, um, we've been reading this as a family, which has been really great because we share that and, you know, keep each other accountable and keep it, somebody's going to remember between the four of us. Um, And so in today's reading, it's about, you know, wouldn't you want to hear from God? If you could hear from God right now, today, wouldn't you want to? You can. (laughs) We don't have to wait for the voice that sounds like James Earl Jones to start talking to us in our ear, Right? We can hear from God because what he has written, what he has said is something we can pick up and read. Day two, we're going to talk about prayer. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest is Matthew chapter 9, verse 38. Jesus spoke of prayer, of being in communication with the Father, of speaking to and listening to the Lord in prayer. And he modeled it for us. How often did Jesus go off and pray? And one of the last things he did before heading toward the crucifixion was to go off into the garden and pray. Prayer was a vital component of Jesus' life that he demonstrated for us. It shouldn't be a a second thought, something that we only do as we lay down at the end of the day and the eyes are getting heavy and it's, oh, God, this was a good day, good night. Sometimes I get there, I get to the end of the day and I realize I don't know that I really prayed today. So tomorrow in our reading, it's going to be talking about prayer and how we can engage in prayer, even a model for prayer. Tuesday, the reading will be about worship. Worship is important and we gather for worship. We're here in a time of worship now. Jesus answered in Luke chapter 4, It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Those words were spoken when Jesus was being tempted. Tempted to worship Satan. Tempted to worship something other than God. God is worthy of our worship more than anything. Certainly more than anything in creation, because guess who made it? (laughs) He did So who's worthy of more, the maker or what he has created? Of course, the maker is. We will worship him. Praise God for all that he's done. Exalt him. Honor him. And day four is rest. If you're done reading, you've uh, read the story about how Zach's future father-in-law, when he was dating his now wife, they went to a museum in Chicago, and they were walking around, and the family knew 
he's going to take a 20-minute nap at some point during the day. And sure enough, in the museum, he finds a place and he falls asleep. So Zach wanting to be, you know, look like a good guy. He is a good guy, don't get me wrong. Um, stays with his now father-in-law. And he, you know, goes on to write about how the drool was coming out of his mouth and exaggerates the story quite a bit. But um, the point of it, though, is that rest, taking a nap, can actually boost productivity, which for many people feels counterintuitive, right? We take the rest, we stop what we're doing, we interrupt the productivity, then we're, you know, the process gets stalled. We've looked at another um, a book called Building a Discipling Culture, and it, uh, it describes very well how we should work from our rest and not the other way, not rest from our work. And that's something that we've talked about in our house. Like, let's not work till we're so tired that we can't do it anymore. Let's rest when we need to rest because that will put us on a, a better path to being productive, being clear in our thoughts, etc. John says, uh, Jesus says this in Mark chapter 6. He said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. Come away, come to Jesus. This is kind of revisiting what we've already talked about. Come to him and rest. Find rest for your souls. Find this time of peace and rest and renewal, which we need. Our fifth day is about fasting. When you fast, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, anoint your head and wash your face. That's because our fasting shouldn't be done for a show. It's not something that we do for other people to know about or to observe. It's really an opportunity to connect in a different way with God. And it can mean not eating at all. But it can also mean something that many people practice in the season of Lent, which is giving something up. Not having some certain pleasure, um, some kinds of foods, some kind of activity, to set that aside and to Um, Spend that time or that energy connecting with God in a new and different way. It's to sharpen the focus on Christ and to discipline the body. That's what fasting is for. The sixth one is eat and celebrate, which is fun that he writes this right after the fasting. is okay, let's eat and celebrate. There are a lot of meals in the gospel narratives. Jesus ate meals with tax collectors and sinners and Pharisees looked at him and were like, What is he doing? So he went to dinner with them too, with the Pharisees and with the others. And the disciples sat at the table with him often. In Luke chapter 15, in the parable of the prodigal son, which we spoke about on Wednesday, um, the father says this, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate Let's eat and celebrate together. Join the feast together. Feasts were common in Jesus' day as a way to celebrate. As disciples of Jesus, we should eat and celebrate together, which we seek to do through 
fellowship opportunities. It's a way to be. It's a way to be in celebration of what God has done together with other brothers and sisters. And we should celebrate, right? Not just share a meal together, but rejoice in what God has done. We're going to spend eternity with God, so inform your face. (laughs) And finally, Sabbath. It's the last of our disciplines for this week. It's a Sabbath, which sounds a lot like resting, right? The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, as Mark chapter 2, verse 27. And Sabbath and resting are related, but they're a bit different. To Sabbath is to set aside a time, a regular time, not just to rest, but to not do other things, and take a break from routine with some focus from work, from obligations, and to focus on God for what he's done for us, for how he created, sustains, saves, and loves us. Those are our disciplines for this week as we seek to be. We'll start with being. We'll work toward doing. As we apply the words of Jesus in our lives. Let's be. To be or not to be, let's choose to be. Amen.